Normally at this time I'd talk to Mark Latham and he's got a very, very important thing, a few important things to say about budget repair, but this Tathra issue is big and I spoke to Mark and I said, look, we'll just forget it for this week because we're in this post-mortem phase in relation to the awful Tathra bushfires. It's necessary, but it's a bit sad. The Fire Brigade Employees Union has said that more houses could have been saved if the New South Wales Rural Fire Service, the volunteers, had accepted the initial offers of help. The Fire Brigade Employees Union has accused the New South Wales Rural Fire Service of rejecting offers of support from Fire and Rescue New South Wales because of an ongoing turf war between the two fire services. I've made reference to this earlier in the program. My correspondence in the last 24 hours is voluminous and full of this kind of allegation. So something is wrong. The union are saying there were fire and rescue New South Wales resources near Tathra, which could have been made quickly available in the firefighting effort. The union says, and I quote, there were multiple crews set up ready to deploy that day, and it appears, if it's correct, head office of the Rural Fire Service refused those offers of help. The union says, heads need to roll. If resources were on the ground in a position to protect those houses that could have been saved, Clearly somebody here has made a grave error. If that's the case, we need an open and transparent inquiry to get to the bottom of it. The competition between the state's two fire services is dysfunctional and dangerous. Now, remember, Fire and Rescue New South Wales, they're the professionals, the paid workers, not that the volunteers aren't professional. Nothing against volunteers. And the criticism of the Rural Fire Service is not of the volunteers, but of the people they call the white shirts, the people in head office at Homebush, who, and I'm just telling you what people are saying in absolutely large numbers, they're saying they're only interested in media exposure, having a high profile in the media and dragging money out of government. Now, Fire and Rescue New South Wales, as you know, offered their first assistance at 12.34pm on Sunday for the fire at Reedy Swamp. The offer was declined. Another offer, 12.58, declined. To be fair to the Rural Fire Service, the many calls that were being made were obviously because of the sighting of clouds of smoke from fires in the dense scrub to the west of Tathra. And it's true, that is not something that Fire and Rescue New South Wales can deal with. But let's face it, the day was over 40 degrees. The winds were unbelievably hot. It was like the end of the world. Surely someone should have said, there is a potential risk that this could get worse. It was a judgment call. Was the judgment flawed? because of a determination to protect the turf of the Rural Fire Service? Or was the judgment flawed because they didn't anticipate the crisis that was about to unfold? The job of all of us is to see that this destruction of property is prevented if it is preventable. We're lucky that lives were spared. But however you look at it, the Rural Fire Service has to be criticised for failing to recognise the threat that a bushfire burning to the west of Tathra would be fanned by westerly winds that pushed the fire directly into Tathra. Any deployment of New South Wales fire and rescue trucks, and I'm only a layman, but my view is should not have been considered for the undulating bushland, but rather pre-positioned on the western edge of Tathra, waiting for the impending danger, and they could have been put in place three hours before the Rural Fire Service panicked. Now, the critics of the Rural Fire Service say they have an enormous ego. They want to be the predominant fire authority. 
One firefighter said to me, you couldn't pick a more inept bunch. Bring on a full-blown inquiry. That's not a criticism of the volunteers, but email after email tells me that the Rural Fire Service should have strategically put fire and rescue appliances ahead of the fire to protect metropolitan property, which was not in the rugged terrain. And again, the point is made over and over to me, no one wants to bash volunteers. It is not the volunteers, they say, quote, it's the white shirts in Homebush that are to blame. It's a boys club. Now, we've been down this track before. This was an issue way back in 1994 when wild bushfires broke out between December and January. 1994, 800 along the coast fires from Bega to the Queensland border and as far inland as Bathurst. They killed four people, destroyed 205 homes, cost $165 million in damage. The fire was examined by Coronial Inquiry in 1996, looking at the deaths of the four people. And the inquiry recommended then that the Rural Fire Service and the then New South Wales Fire Brigades, they're now Fire and Rescue, the inquiry recommended that their management be amalgamated. This is 1996, as, quote, there was significant animosity between the volunteers and the paid brigades and two separate leadership groups during an emergency was creating unnecessary problems. The then Premier Bob Carr knocked the idea on the head, saying it would lead to the detriment of volunteerism. Well, the same fire was mentioned in an inquiry into the Rural Fire Service in 2000. The same conclusions were drawn. The two services should be amalgamated. That inquiry was 18 years ago. In 2008, a couple in the New South Wales Hunter Valley at Abernethy lost their house and possessions in a fire on their remote property. The house could have been saved. The paid New South Wales Fire Brigade were first to arrive at the scene. They were forced to watch the house burn because the location was under the jurisdiction of the Rural Fire Service and they hadn't arrived yet. In October 2013, there were dreadful fires in the Blue Mountains. Two people died, 500 buildings were destroyed, $94 million worth of damage was recorded. There were claims at the time, which we dealt with on this program, on this very same issue, that the Volunteer Rural Fire Service had attempted to pull rank and prevent the paid fire and rescue New South Wales firefighters from attending the area. To be fair, the agencies eventually worked together to stop the blaze. But I've got workers ringing me, employees who work in the bushfire business, saying the system is, their words, quote-unquote, busted. The senior deputy state coroner, John Hyatt, conducted the bushfire inquiry in 1996, known as the Hyatt Report. He recommended a permanent board of commissioners be created, responsible to to a minister or someone to administer it, to manage, to control and regulate fire services in New South Wales. That is, you'd put all the outfits, parks and wildlife, who I believe are brilliant, Rural Fire Service, what's now Fire and Rescue, all under the one umbrella. And a board of commissioners would coordinate and direct agencies who would be charged with dealing as directed with the fire crisis. Something you've got to give. Troy Grant is the minister. Now, before I speak to Troy Grant, I will just say this. On many fronts, the Berejiklian government, I think, does an outstanding job. But their great weakness, their great weakness is their inability to solve the problem. Whether it's bats or council amalgamation or lockout laws or bikes all over the city, they've got to do something where they can say to the electorate, we are taking action. Now, an inquiry is not enough. 
We've had a sack of them. There is a problem here. It's got to be addressed and acted upon. The Minister concerned is Troy Grant. Troy Grant, good morning. Good morning, Al. Now, you're aware of all this. You would have been briefed. Yes, I am. Absolutely. And there's there's two points. The the first one you make about this is the time for a post-mortem. I disagree. We still have a fires active in Tathra. We have fire and rescue firefighters working alongside RFS firefighters right now, still as we speak, who are trying to protect, continually protect that area, who are in the midst of even dealing with themselves, the unimaginable... Troy, the fire is under control. We are talking about 69 people who've lost their property. And there is an argument... I don't believe you're going to start talking like this. Honestly, you were once a tough cop. Let me me finish, Alan, if you wouldn't mind. Go on. Significant significant work to be done in what they call a mop-up phase. And we have both fire and rescue and RFS officers working side by side down there trying to continue to support their family as this government is and the locals and across the state are trying to support those exact people who have lost their houses. No one's talking about the great effort that has occurred with 398 houses that both fire and rescue... Oh, Troy, stop, 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 Troy. You're talking rubbish. I mean, stop. This is rubbish. Everyone knows that. We, we, hang on. Everyone knows that. We've talked about that. What we want to know is why weren't fire and rescue brought in when the warnings were imminent and 69 houses have been destroyed? If it was your house, you wouldn't want the minister saying, oh, we just don't talk at the moment about postmortems. There's things happening down there and we've got to be nice. We want to know what the government is doing to avoid the conflict that's gone on for years and years and years between these two bushfire agencies. What are you going to do? Well, two things. The RFS commissioner has already referred this fire to the coroner, the most independent body that will do a full and thorough examination of all the circumstances, all the operations... How does the RFS Commission have power to recommend an inquiry? Because the Act um, allows him to. <sighs> Talk about and power. Which, that's, why, why is that a problem? That means the RFS... This is what the government die. should be doing. What are you doing to make sure that the turf war ends? Every person who writes to me, you can have all the correspondence if you like are talking about a turf war. I'm pretty sure I'd have some of it myself. Well, it's gone back to 1990. 1996, there was an inquiry. Nothing was done. What are you going to do so that all these resources are poured into the problem when it emerges? In relation to the call-out procedures, the the, the component that was uh, in the paper released by the FBU was in relation to one location where it was deemed that that fire and rescue vehicle was unsuitable to go to that location. That is the crux of where the complainers come. And it's not. It is not the crux of it. The crux of it is that exactly rural, that fire, it is not. And if you've been briefed like that, you've been briefed wrongly. Fire and rescue have the capacity to develop, not in undulating land out there where they first saw the plumes going up in the sky. They deal with metropolitan Australia, bitumen roads. These people who lost their houses were on bitumen roads. They may well have saved their homes if fire and rescue had been put in place three hours previous. When the fire then jumped the Bega River, they would have been able to deal with it. They weren't there. Well, that, that's what the, cor- the coroner will determine on the facts, on the evidence, and everyone's got to say, fire and rescue, the locals, landholders, everybody... Can We've say. had these inquiries before, and this the inquiries an found inquest, Alan, that they should be amalgamated. This is an inquest, Alan. It's not an inquiry. It's a coronial inquest. <sighs> so it's determined by an independent body. In relation to the call-out procedures, I'm announcing today that Mick Kelty, former AFP commissioner, is going to do a full review for the government in relation to 
the deployment of these firefighting resources, as you allude to for the greater, broader response on the greater issues that you raise, he will be doing that review for the government so we don't get these questions in the future. Mm. I go around the state uh, every week of the year and I talk to firefighting uh, agencies, both yeah. the retained and the, firefight, the RFS guys in the bush, and my observations and the working relationship between the two, I don't think has been better for years. Oh, you're kidding me. You're kidding me. Look, I've got... You're kidding me. You're you're being... Honestly, Troy, you you are are a disappointment, Troy. You're miles off the pace, mate. You're miles off the pace. What are you going to do about... What are you going to do about the Greens? Doug Spindler, he'd been a resident for years. He didn't get a text message till 4.44pm, by the way, till 4.40pm. So there's a problem with mobile phone coverage. Then Leanne Jensen said... Leanne Jensen told me she's made six face-to-face requests to the Beagar Valley Shire Council about making the town more fire safe. Barry Whitaker said he'd raised the issue of hazard reduction three weeks ago. The council's obviously dominated by the Greens. Nothing happened. And then there's the turf war. And what are you going to do? Oh, you'll have an inquiry or something else as it'll go on. It'll get it off the front pages and these poor people. I tell you what, if you were returning to a home that had been burnt to the ground and you'd lost everything, you'd want a better response than Troy Grant has given me today. Well, wouldn't you you want a response from an independent inquest? The coroner's got all the evidence before. How much evidence do you want? There have been inquiries for the last 25 years. Actual evidence, um, Alan. There have been inquiries for the last 25 years on exactly the same issue. They came to the conclusion that these two entities should be amalgamated and there should be a controlling body above which will determine what resources will be applied when these sort of circumstances arrive. Why do we need another inquiry? Well, that... Mick Keldy is doing that work for us because in 1994... Can you pe- are you people in them Quarry Street, Troy, capable of making any decisions? Do you make any decisions absolutely, about absolutely, flying absolutely foxes? Are. Do you make any decisions about the bikes? Do you make any decisions about the lockout laws? Do you make any decisions about the democratic process which was abused on council amalgamations? Tell me when you've made a major decision that has resulted uh, from listening to the public. We make decisions every day of the week, Alan. A major decision listening for... What are you doing about flying foxes? What are you doing about the bikes, Troy? Mate, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I find your response this morning utterly inadequate. And if you were one of the people who'd lost his house and contents, you wouldn't want the minister responding like this. But I thank you for your time. At least you've come on the program. That's Troy Grant, the minister concerned. I don't know what he's going to do.